Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam, Kenny, and Lady Chow Fung, and we're going to talk about Brave Archer, a 1977 film. Uh, this is a film directed by Cheng Che. It's the story of the heroic couple Guo Jing and Huang Rong. Uh, it's first in a three-part adaptation of Jin Yong's classic Legend of Condor Heroes. Uh, it's a much bigger story than that, but I wanted to give it a very simple synopsis because it's so complicated that I think it'll just be better to have all this come out in the discussion. Uh, so before we even begin talking about the movie and the content, uh, what did you guys think of it? I really enjoyed it. Like I know it's not the most faithful adaptation, but it got many of the key points across, and they managed to sort of condense it all very well. Well, and have it all flow in the, in the way that didn't make it drag out or um, get too complicated. I thought one thing I didn't quite like was just the the, the whole introduction of all the characters at the very beginning of the movie. But we'll we'll leave that discussion for a bit. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I also enjoyed the movie. It's one of my um, favorite trilogies to watch. I watch it over and over. Um, I love who's in it. I love the characters. And I think it's a really good movie. I have not read the source material yet. It's on my list of books to read, but the movie has made me want to read the source material. Yeah, I thought it was just a really fun movie. I mean, I can't say I followed every plot point, but uh, there's a lot of a lot of characters. But just I was just completely entertained through the entire movie, so it didn't even matter when I was a little confused. And. And 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 it, it number one the source material is very much well worth uh, exploring. Um, the, there's a new official translation coming out next month, but there's also online translations. Um, and I have to say, Kenny, I thought that's like the best part of the movie that that opening sequence where they do that. Like I I, I really like like every time that comes on, I get super excited because it's like it's this endless parade of characters with dramatic music and. <laughs> And it's, it's... There's just too many of them. Though. Like, like it, it's fine if it was just like the, the sort of the core cast, uh, but then I guess everybody is so important to the story that they're like, oh, we can't just have like Guo Jing and Huang Rong and and Huang Yanxi in <laughs> there. We have to have everybody now. <laughs> I'll tell you why I like it. It it establishes that this is an epic story and it has a lot of characters and they're letting you know right from the beginning that that's the kind of movie it is. And it's so it, they're they're letting you know it so much that they have characters in that intro that aren't even in this movie. They're in like the third movie, and so it's just I don't know. It's just this sense of oh, what was that? That's the part that I didn't like is that they introduced the people, some people from other movies that aren't even in this one. <laughs> I think they just should have kept it simple with the ones that were here because the first time I saw it, I was expecting. Um, T Lung to show up, and he didn't, so I was disappointed. Okay, I can see that. I I could see. I I, I hadn't thought of the possibility there might be like an actor or something that you would see there that you want to see, and then they you, they don't come up. Um, but I still contend that it's a very good uh, introduction to the uh, uh, to the movie. And we just lost Adam for a minute, so we're gonna see if we can get him back. But we'll have to continue on uh, until we can. Um, so getting into the story, uh, again, it's an adaptation, but in this version, so in the book, there's this whole thing where Guo Jing is raised in Mongolia and they kind of skip over that. But at the start of the movie, uh, you have these two heroes, uh, who are, uh, uh, and it's set during the, the, the Jin dynasty, uh, 
during the Southern Song period. So you have the uh, the Jin occupying the North and the the Song in the South, and these are Song heroes, and they meet a, a, a Taoist priest who brings uh, the head of a of a Song trader uh, in a sack, and uh, he's introduced to their 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 two children. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, he's introduced to their two children, and um, uh, and he's asked to name the children, and the 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 Taoist priest departs, and a bunch of Jin soldiers arrive and uh, attack the family, and they find the the head that the the Taoist priest had buried, and they kill uh, one of the heroes, and one of the other ones gets severely wounded. The seven freaks of Jiangnan arrive, and they fend off the Jin soldiers, and then the uh, the Taoist priest returns. There's a bit of a dispute over a misunderstanding between the Taoist priests and the seven freaks, and they end up um, they end up deciding that they're gonna stage a duel 18 years from now. They're gonna uh, one of the, one of the kids they've are, they've rescued. They rescued one of the kids and the mother, and that's uh, Guo Jing. And so the seven freaks are gonna raise him. And the Taoist priest is going to go and try to find the other child, who's Yang Kang, and he's going to raise him up, and then they're going to have a duel in 18 years. And so that's sort of the premise of the movie when it starts. So I don't know, uh, uh, Lady Xiaofeng, what, what's, what's your thought on that sort of opening? I like the opening because from the opening you can tell that there's um, going to be some plot twists because, first of all, you can't... The Taoist priest it's going to have a hard time trying to find uh, Yang Kang. Mm-hmm. And um, how is he going to get into the Jins to, to teach him? But also the seven freaks teaching Gu- Guao. Say it again. Oh, uh, uh, Guao Jing. Guao Jing. Guao Jing um, out in the Mongolian desert is pretty interesting and just the fact that Guao Xing does not take to the Kung Fu very well, um, they pretty much called him stupid. Well, and he is. He's not a smart guy. That's one of the cool things about the characters. He's, he's, a, little bit, he's a little bit slow, wouldn't you say? He's, uh, yes. Uh, and yeah, so, and so, you know, after, after that sequence, then the opening, we get to the scene and the... Uh, um, in the Mongolian uh, camp, where where Guojing is 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 learning is is training, and he and and they sort of belittle him, and you know they they don't they're not happy with his progress because it's going to reflect poorly on them when the duel happens, mm-hmm. and uh, and so then he goes to train uh, with Ashung uh, because they decide okay we'll pair him up individually, and Ashung is maybe the best uh, to match his style, and while they're training, they find they see these skulls with holes in them. And this 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 uh, really powerful uh, kung fu expert uh, named uh, Bronze Corpse shows up, and he ends up killing Ashung, and Guo Jing ends up uh, killing uh, Bronze Corpse by stabbing him in the one point in his body that is is vulnerable to injury, and so this causes a whole grudge between the seven freaks of Zhangnan and. Uh, the 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 master's wife uh, Mei Chao Feng, who's Iron Corpse. Um, so I don't know what, and then you know, and then so they 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 decide to stage a uh, um, an ambush of Mei Chao Feng by having the leader of the Seven Freaks 
uh, hide in a coffin when they're burying Ashung. And, you know, there's a big battle when she walks by. There's a, a important plot point where this uh, this mysterious nine yin manual has been tattooed to Bronze Corpse's chest, and Mei Chao Fung cuts it off when she finds him dead. And as she's uh, going to seek revenge with the nine yin manual in her hands, she's ambushed by the seven freaks. And uh, Flying Bat, the leader, throws some needles in her eyes and blinds her, and, sa- and she ends up fleeing on her way. So, uh, you know, what do you guys think of the uh, of this section of the movie? I, I I thought it was um, sort of it highlighted sort of the the, the power of the nine yen manual there. I mean, you have um, oh, I can't remember his name now. Uh, Iron uh, no Iron Corpse no Bronze Corpse. Like he 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 sort of like casually just crushing these skulls with his bare fingers and is invulnerable. To like metal, you know, wep- basic weapon stabbing and slashing, and you know, it, 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 you know, it, it, the, the manual that is practicing is clearly like a very powerful thing, and is going to be a recurring sort of uh, object, uh, a MacGuffin of some sort, I guess. It's going to, you know, be present throughout the movie, and it, it, it also is a bit. I don't know. I thought it was a bit too coincidental that the one place that Gorgine decides to stab is his one weak point. But then again, like it happens in in all sorts of things. Like in uh, was it the Temple of the White Lotus or whatever it was, where you know he just discovered that his weak point was in a particular point. You know, okay, that I, I can live with uh, coincidental discovery of weak points. Also, it's important to note, even though he's like eighteen in the movie, in the book he's only like six when this happens. So it makes a lot more sense that when he just recklessly stabs him, that he's stabbing at the navel because he's just basically going like that. And, and so it's, it's, it, it, they almost have to work harder because of how they adapted it to even make it, have it make sense in that scene. Um, and plus it's the only point that's really exposed that he can get to. In yeah. The Cause movie. he does have that like uh bandage wrapped co- around covering the, the nine yin manual. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, also the skulls, they, I thought it, it was obvious they were like using clay skulls of some kind. Cause when he stuck his fingers in there, you could see the, the smudge from the, uh, whatever the material was, you could see it on his fingers. Um, but I thought that was for the time that was actually a pretty clever way to do it. Um, cause the only other way would have been to take something more solid and drill holes in it and replace it when he goes to do the strike. So this way they were able to kind of have him go in there and the the, ba- the technique he was using was he, he digs his fingers into the skulls and, 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 and leaves these, these holes there. Uh, so when he actually uses it on a person, you have an idea of how lethal his, his claw technique is. I like the lighting of that scene, um, the way that the skulls were highlighted kind of like in a spotlight. You kind of knew that they were um, very important for some reason. And we've get to figure it out and the, just the it's it shot at nighttime and it's kind of like to me had like a bluish hue to it i don't know why but yeah there was a color like thing the just the sort of like an evil sort of color right, right. To exactly how, so yin is supposed to be sort of sinister-ish type of uh, element and the blue adds to that and it sort of shows that you know this that the Kung Fu is using is not an orthodox style, as it were. What, what did you guys think of Mei Chao Fung, the, uh, the wife that ends up getting blinded? 
I thought she was pretty formidable. I mean, it, there were six of them left, and they could barely get a handle on her. And um, it took the two blind needles, the two needles to blind her, to actually allow them to get some kind of upper hand on her. And then she still got away from them. So she was a pretty yeah. formidable um, opponent for the group. I liked her, actually. Yeah, she's one of my favorite characters in the books. Um, I really, I really enjoy her. Um, and I just want to see Adam. Can you hear us? Okay, because I know you just rejoined. I wanted to make sure you. I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, that's okay. I just wanted to just check in. Um, so then they skip ahead quite a bit, actually, in terms of the story, and uh, they're 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 basically going to start taking uh, Guo Jing to the duel that he has to go to. And along the way, they see these disciples. I think they're Uyung Kei's disciples, and they realize they overhear them talking, and they realize that uh, these uh, these really ferocious uh, characters, odd immortal, spiritual wisdom, and Hellgate Dragon King, are somewhere around. And so the seven freaks decide to stay back and investigate, and send Guajing on his way ahead of them. And he goes on, and he ends up going to a restaurant where he meets. Uh, a beggar who turns out to be Huang Rong in disguise, but he thinks she's just some, you know, uh, she th- number one, he thinks she's a boy and he thinks that she's a, just a beggar. Um, but he's really nice to her and he, and he wins her over. And so, you know, that's when she sort of starts to fall in love with him. And this is when the love theme of the movie really becomes apparent. So we probably should, you know, maybe discuss that a little bit before uh, getting into the rest of the film. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm curious too. Is that was that see, like was that scene relatively true to the book or not, or was that something for the movie? That was uh, pretty close to the book, as I remember it. Yeah, that's uh, okay. Like, like which aspects of it? Oh, just the the you know her being dressed as a beggar, yeah. him you know her stealing something, him intervening. Just because it it was just almost identical to a sequence in a, a web of web of death well, is the movie i think that's I'm where i think of. they took the idea from remember when i said yeah. that movie was like a combination of heaven sword dragon saber and legend condor heroes because it kind of took a lot of elements from each one um yeah i think that's yeah it, it, yeah that that's definitely feels like it's just pulled from from that scene and that's iconic like if you ever watch the series that's like a big moment in the show when when huang rong shows up as a beggar and uh you know sort of uh you know uh tricks him into to to getting a bunch of food for him and stuff um and uh and it looks like we lost kenny too so we're gonna have to uh sort of press on and just see what we can do without him Um, rough night on skype very very rough night on skype um but which i apologize to our listeners um but uh but yeah so no that's that's very much like the book and i i don't know i yeah I think it's. That's, that's I was thinking. I was like, "Oh, that's that's really cool that it was a reference to this book that I didn't pick up on back when I watched that movie." <laughs> and uh, uh, um, and yeah, so uh, so after that, uh, I think is when he he sees the uh, the duel for marriage sign, and he sees uh, Muanachi and uh, and and Yang Tijin. I don't probably probably not pronouncing that correctly, but the the hero from the beginning of the movie who's wounded and uh is is the father of yang kong uh yeah and so and then yang kang shows up and starts and agrees to the duel with the girl and uh fights her and wins and he takes her shoe and <laughs> uh 
and and sort of makes fun of her and then rejects the marriage offer and that angers Guo Jing who uh who yeah. decides to step in and 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 he ends up having the duel with um uh Yang Kang even though he doesn't realize he's fulfilling his his duel obligation at that moment um which is I think one of the clever things about the movie we're we're talking about the uh the the duel for marriage scene Kenny um all right uh and so so I don't know any thoughts on that scene any thoughts on uh, the characters up to this point. I think the, the duel for marriage scene was quite interesting because I, it, just the concept of it is quite weird to me. And that again, as long as you can defeat her, then you get to marry her. It's just like what? I mean, I guess <laughs> is, is she supposed to be like a a, a beautiful woman? I mean, I don't think she's an actress. I guess like in in, in the source material was um, well, then she's supposed to be. Uh, a good looking woman like i think she was supposed to be tough but pretty if i recall i don't remember the exact wording but like there was a very specific it was one of the we were just talking about how he was very specific with levels of attractiveness and stuff and he had a very specific description of her um and i think i think it was she's i think it was something about tough and and uh and pretty at the same time um but uh but i think the idea is number one if if uh if, if he is really trying to marry her off, then he wants somebody who she can at least, whose kung fu she can respect, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Who, who's capable of, of handling the threats that exist in a world like this. But, uh, but also, um, and, and you kind of see the same thing when, when Huang Rong is trying to, is interested in marrying Guo Jing. She kind of has to up his kung fu so her father will be impressed. Um, but, uh, but also, it's really just a ploy so he can, he can, he can find Goa Jing because he, he, he believes Goa Jing is still alive and he's trying to find him. And somehow he thinks doing this is going to uh, <laughs> lead him that to That was Guo the part Jing. that I, confused I me. That was yeah. like, I understood the idea of like fighting someone to marry them. That's kind of a, a thing throughout mythology. But I was just like, but, but what were the chances this would actually pull both these I, characters out at the same time? <laughs> I don't know why he thought that would naturally lead him to Goa Jing. I, I don't know. Uh, and I just might be missing the details. It might be in the book, and I might not remember it. But yeah. uh, but it's not a detail I've ever really been able to clarify. Um, I do like the, the the way that Yang Kang is introduced into, in this scene as the sort of the sort of an arrogant. Uh, when I say prince, I don't think he was actually a prince. Was he? He was the sort he, of well, he's the son of the sixth prince by the yeah. So I, I, I don't think the son of a prince is a prince by definition, is he? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what his official title was, but he's. But he's. He's nobility. He's, he's yeah, a very he, important. Yeah, it's sort of like an arrogant noble who's just playing around and causing trouble for no reason. And you have all these people who are very fearful of his father. It's like, oh god, we have to. We have to take care of the troublemaker, otherwise, you know, the the sixth prince is gonna kill us. And you have the free sort of the the, the free. Um, or did they have a title, collective title? Yeah, yeah, those were the masters. three people that the uh, seven yeah. freaks had, had left to investigate because they heard that they were around. It was um, uh, Odd Immortal, Spiritual Wisdom, and Hellgate Dragon King. Um, yeah. And and it's kind of funny that like the they sent Guo Jing ahead because they were going to like try to find out where these guys were. And they end up, Guo Jing ends up <laughs> encountering them anyways uh, at the duel. And, um, and yeah, so then there's this whole thing with i think huang rong shows up as a beggar again and distracts hellgate dragon king and uh guo jing kind of gets into it with um with the other two 
but that Taoist derives another Taoist. Um, I think Ironfoot. Uh, I can't remember his name. Ironfoot something. He's an important character. Um, was it not the original master? No, no, uh, it's a different one. No, 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 different one. Okay. And it's important because there's uh, there's stuff that I wanted to get into with him, but. Uh, but he's okay. He's... So I, I I got confused there because I I saw Dallas and I think my mind just blended. Oh, okay, that's the um that's uh the master who went to try and find uh, uh Yang Kang when he was kidnapped. And... No, it's a different one. It's a different one. Um, and so the so the Taoist, uh, you know, he trades blows with the uh, with spiritual wisdom. They they decide to trade palms in a sort of yeah. polite way in the book. Spiritual wisdom, if I remember correctly, poisons him in that moment, and 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 the reason they go to that estate is because Huang Rong realizes that the antidote is probably there, and so that's why they so that, so it's actually more interesting in the book because they're going there not just to to sort of find those bad guys and mess with them again. They go there because they 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 desperately need this antidote for the Taoist who's who's possibly going to die if they don't get it, and the and. Uh, and the bad guys are so clever that they bought all of the raw materials for the antidote in the city. So they keep trying to go and find all the raw materials and can't find them at the different apothecary shops. Um, but that doesn't happen in the movie. So, uh, so I, cause I guess that, that, that sort of reasoning for visiting the, the six princes estate is more plausible. Like, it makes more sense than the sort of half-assed reason they had in the movie then, because they're just like, oh, do you want to go to, uh, Go to the, the go to the prince's place. Like, yeah, sure, let's go. Yeah, because her reasoning in the letter, she so so after this, uh, uh, um, uh, Guo Jing is recovering with the Taoist, and the Taoist passes some of his energy to him, and he gets a letter from Huang Rong, uh, who he still thinks is a beggar, and it says, "Hey, I found out where those bad guys live, and we can go mess with that that naughty prince as well, or the not." I think she calls him that lad. Um, and and so it just sounds like they're like hijinks, but in the book it's a lot more dire. It's like this Taoist is gonna die, and this is our last resort. We're gonna go there and see if we can find the ingredients for the antidote, and then and 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 and, and bring a cure for him. Which is also, I think, why Guo Jing ends up in that room with the snake because the odd immortal guy is the one who has all of the uh, herbalist ingredients. So so a lot of the stuff just makes more sense if in in that light. But uh, but yeah, so he ends up meeting Huang Rong, and this time she's dressed as an actual girl, and uh, she reveals that she's not a beggar, and she sort of talks about why she dresses as a beggar, and she tells him that her father, you know, I don't know if she says who her father is, but we, we start to learn about, you know, about her, her father at this point, and, uh, and so I don't know, what do you guys think of, of that, of, of sort of that scene and sort of the whole re- reasoning behind her dressing as a beggar? I think it made a lot of sense. I mean, her father is a very eminent figure. Um, and I think at this point, he'd already... Oh, okay, um, I was going to say this thing about the, the, the um, breaking of the, the disciples' legs and stuff. Like, he's, a, he's not a very nice guy type of thing, and people are all very wary of uh, of Hong Yanshi. And um, I think like she, she she's very disillusioned and that people are treating her nicely because of her father and not because of who she is and also because she's always been described as a very beautiful woman. Um, yeah, men will treat her nicely just because she's easy on the eyes and you know, being a beggar lets her sort of see more of 
true human nature, um, which is an interesting approach. And the, and and the fact that you know from what she's saying, only Guo Jing actually treated her decently. Uh, yeah, I don't know how long she's been running away from home and dressing as a beggar for, but it sort of speaks a, a little bit about how generally speaking, people in that era treated beggars and people of like lower class and stuff. Yeah, I found the scene kind of interesting from the standpoint that she just took such huge advantage of it. That was just kind of entertaining. And he was like totally fine with it. It was like, he's just like, yeah, sure, go crazy. Order a hundred meals, whatever. Was... I, I feel like Gua Jing embodies the Leonard Skinner song, Simple Kind of Man. I don't know if that's the title of the song, but it's the, the refrain. Um, he just is that kind of a character. You know, he's, he's just a real yeah. simple guy. I think the reason she's attracted to him is 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 his good nature but also there's no deception in him like her father we find out is a really intelligent but but very wily man and and i think she wants like the opposite of that and the kinds of people that he tends to be surrounded by as a result um mm-hmm. and so gua jing is just a very sort of straightforward honest you know genuine genuinely nice person um and uh and so you, so you end up, I don't know, you end up with this duo that's very interesting because she's really smart. Like, she's sharp as a tack. She's really smart, and, and she's always sort of, like, very quick on her feet. And Guo Jing is very slow, but, but very capable. He sort of, be, he's be, we see this over the course of the movie, and we're about to see it in the next scene where he, his powers increase as the movie, uh, as the movie advances. And, um, but I think they're a perfect couple for each other because they are so opposite um, she's more on the clever side, so she knows how to kind of manipulate people and get what she wants and um, kind of take advantage of the situation, but in a good way. And he's so simple and naive, but she's there to help him so that no one takes advantage of him, too. So, I mean, I think they play off of each other nicely, being that they're so opposite, the yin and the yang. It's funny because, like, it, in the next story not the like not like so in return of the condo heroes i get the feeling that she hates that type of person just purely because of the way she treats uh yang guo the main character of that series just because i, I feel like she sees so much of herself in him that she doesn't w- wouldn't want to associate with someone like that because she knows how treacherous they can be to yeah be yeah because she, she's always yeah. deceiving people she's always using i mean she's she's usually doing it for good reasons but like she knows how deceptive humans can be. And so when she sees, so when she, so, so Yang Guo, uh, is the son of Yang Kang. He's, he's the main character in the next book. And, and in the next book, it's very interesting because, because, uh, Huang Rong totally distrusts Yang Guo. She's, she's, she's kind of mean to him at the start of the book. And, and you, and you see Huang Rong through Yang, Yang Guo's eyes. So it's a whole different experience of the character. But I think you're exactly right. I think she sees elements of herself and elements of her father and is afraid of where that can lead to. Even though she's she's constantly saying she's seeing his father, I think she's maybe seeing some of her own reflection in him. Um, and in the uh, in the next scene, when they go to the, the prince's estate, this is kind of the, I guess you could call it like the mini climax of the movie. It's like the middle uh, of the film where you get like a really big uh, sort of showdown at the uh, at the estate. And it's actually, this is around where I think the first volume of Legend of Condor Heroes ends. Around We're around not chapter 9 or 10 here. And, uh, and they go to the estate, and uh, while they're there, uh, number one, they find uh, 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 Yen Kong's father has been captured 
Oh, we lost Adam again. Um, and and Munyan Chi has been captured and imprisoned by Yang Kong because he does. I in the movie he basically doesn't want anybody to know that he he broke he he did this duel and then said he wouldn't marry her and so he doesn't want them going around spreading that information so he's keeping them there until he can figure out a way to to sort it out and uh, um, and so they uh, there's also that and then there's a, a an important meeting between uh, the sixth prince and Uyang Ka who's the son of Uyang Feng. Uh, the the Western Venom, and uh, Sixth Prince explains that he wants uh, he he wants to find this manual uh, that was uh, written by Yu Fei, who's a great song hero, and he wants to find it because he's concerned that if it falls into the hands of the song, it'll help them repel the Jin, and the Jin are hoping to invade Southern Song and uh, and and conquer all of China, so. Um, yeah, and just to interject here, like the manual I've mentioned here isn't like a, a martial arts manual, like the Nanyin manual or whatever. It's a more like an art of war thing, um, which is why they don't want the Song people to get their hands on it because, you know, it, 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 martial arts manual, that's fine. If they lose that, that's okay. You know, it's only one person. Even that one person is, can fight a thousand, they can't fight 10,000, right? Um, but if it's a sort of an art of war thing, then that's a serious issue. You know, siege en- maps of siege engines and that type of thing, they can't let that fall into the enemy hands. And so, uh, yeah, no, exactly. And uh, and I don't know what do you guys think of this scene. There's a, there's also the scene in, in, that happens here where where Yangua, uh, sorry, not <laughs> Guo Jing, uh, is attacked by a snake and drinks its blood. And the snake belongs to to Autumn Mortal, who's furious over that fact. Um, but that snake increases uh, Guo Jing's powers a lot. Um, and so, uh, so I don't know. What, the, the, just the scene at the. Uh, at the prince's estate in general. I really enjoyed the fight scene between uh, Huang Rong and Ouyang Ke. Like, that, that, that sort of like showcases some of the, yeah, the, I guess the street smarts, or I guess would be the, or the, the wily ways of Huang Rong there, you know, making him verbally trap himself with the condition that if they both step out, then it can, it's considered his loss. <laughs> and then just running away, it's just like, well, that's you know that's technically correct the yeah. best kind of correct as some would say right <laughs> but she no but it's, it, again it's an example of her cleverness and it, it and it obviously worked and and you kind of uh you know it, it, and it's interesting given the arrangements that her father has been making in the background that we don't know about with uyung uh uyung feng well uh, i don't know yeah, was, was was very... oh sorry go ahead i said it's it becomes very interesting later on in the movie when they all end up on Peach Island. Yeah. But, um, yeah. What, what were you Go ahead, Ken. Say, like, I, I, I'm not sure if at this point the uh, the marriage is arranged or was this the point that Aung Kerr first met Huang Rong and then decided to tell his father to propose marriage? I think, he might, I think it might have been that because I do think he developed a fondness for her at this – because he's kind of nice to her throughout the story if I remember. And I think, it, I think it's, he has genuine affection for her. And so I think he might have instigated that, um, but I don't. Because yeah, she's definitely right. like beautiful is always in her description. I think he might have like, oh, there's there's a pretty face, and then he was probably very impressed with her quick wits and uh, and taking advantage of of, of the, the promises that he made, and maybe that's what sort of yeah sparked his interest in her a bit more than just seeing another beautiful woman because. From what we see, you know, his father has tons of beautiful female disciples who are apparently dressed in pure white, which must have been 
hell to keep clean. I have to say, <laughs> they're really nice costumes. But when they showed up at that they dirty are. inn, I was like, "Whoa, that can't be easy to." It's a special I mean... kind of fabric; it repels dirt naturally, or something. But I don't know. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I uh, it's an interesting fight scene. I agree, and the whole scene with the blind cups, with the balancing them, and uh, my favorite scene though is when Yang Kong takes the rabbit and cuts it and then brings it to his mom and, and and says oh mom i found a wounded rabbit for you to cure and he's just like sucking up to his mom and acting all sweet in front of her and you can see the reactions that huang rong and um and gua jing are having when they, when they when they show him deceive his mom like that um well, so was he this overtly evil uh, not evil i guess uh, manipulative in the books as well i think so i think he's i think he actually i think he snapped the 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 leg of the the rabbit i think it was even more vicious um, okay. so yeah no it's and it's funny that this is a, I, i've shown my mother this movie and i've shown her one of the series for it and she loves gua jing because he's such a he's such a dutiful son and she can't stand yang kong because he's so he, he's so slimy around his mom and and he's such a jerk <laughs> he is and he's, and he's making his mom look bad because she's oh you're a sweet kid really deep down you know and uh, meanwhile, he's got, he's got, you know, uh, her real husband imprisoned in the next room. And, uh, you know, in the next scene, he rejects, he, you know, she tells him, this is your dad and he rejects it. He doesn't accept it. Um, see, it makes less sense in the movie because he was kidnapped after he was born. But in the books, he, um, the mother was kidnapped while she was pregnant with him, I believe. Right. Yeah. And the so books. He, yeah. The it books makes more sense because like he was born in with the Jin people rather than. Yeah being taken there and in the books they didn't even know if they were going to be boys or girls so the original arrangement was if they're boys they'll uh they'll be sworn brothers if it's a boy and a girl then they'll be married and if they're uh sister if they're girls they'll be sworn sisters and that's why he wants to marry munyanchi with um uh with goa jing because he wants to fulfill that promise that he made um which oh that doesn't happen in this movie either does it uh, no. uh okay <laughs> Um, but I uh, thought the um, blood sucking scene was pretty interesting. Again, the snake is all highlighted in red, and I don't know. I don't like snakes to begin with, but you obviously can tell that snake is pretty fake. That is the fakest snake I've ever seen <laughs> in a movie. I think. That yes, is, me I had too. fake snakes as a kid that were more realistic than that snake. It <laughs> almost reminded me of a sock puppet snake. That's how bad it was. One of those like plushy snakes. Uh, yeah. Well, use and play sort of a pillow or whatever. I I feel like the actor has to take some responsibility for it though, because he didn't do anything to even liven up. You know, the, the 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 actors when they're dealing with those kinds of props are at least supposed to, you know, by their reaction, you're supposed to feel that it's real. And he looked like he was just handling a um a fake snake. Um, but uh, I gotta say though, like like Guo Jing's reaction to being constricted by a snake was very in line with his character. I mean, his, his whole body can't move. The only thing he has available is his teeth. So best thing to do, just bite the gun out of snake. Bite, <laughs> bite like, and apparently drink all it. of his blood too. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, like how much of the, like, I don't know. Like I guess in in, in Wuxia stories, like. It's very common to just drink the blood of things and gain internal energy. Yeah. Well, in in Return of Condor Heroes, he gave Xiao Long Nu his blood to to help heal yeah. her. That, but uh, yeah, I, was anybody else reminded of the Rancor from uh, 
uh, uh, Return of the Jedi. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why. Something about that scene and Autumn Mortal's whole getup and rea- it just kind of reminded me of uh, um, of Rancor. You know, the, the, you know, with with uh, you know, I don't know, just something about it. Um. So yeah. So then. Uh, so after that, we. Uh, uh, you know the the uh, uh, Yang Kong's father and his mother uh, flee from the from the villa, and they end up connecting with uh, with Chuji again, and but they end up cornered by uh, by the by the Jin, and while they're cornered, they commit suicide. So I believe so. Chuji doesn't have to um, uh, uh, die protecting them, basically. Uh, but then just after they die, the seven freaks show up. And help repel the Jin, and uh, and Huang Rong and uh, Guo Jing arrive, but then the Seven Freaks say to uh, Guo Jing that they think Huang Rong is evil, and so they don't want him to have anything to do with her. And so she and Guo Jing run away, and uh, Huang Rong uh, basically lures uh, the leader of Beggar Sect with a chicken, and 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 feeds him and convinces him to teach Guo Jing some kung fu i think so he'll be more impressive to her father uh when when he meets him um and we get to see gu feng is uh as uh hong chi gong um you know and it's a i don't know this is where uh guo jing's powers expand even more where he learns the what is it the 18 uh, dragon subduing palm technique yeah it's, it's, it sounds very impressive in chinese but whenever it's translated it's always like eh, it's dragon subduing palms is a, mm, <laughs> it's a little bit tamer than, than the impact that has uh but it's a pretty but, cool yeah. technique he's, he's destroying trees with it and uh i, I think one of the fundamentals of the uh, the 18 palms is um strong internal energy which he just got from mm. uh, drinking the snake's blood so yeah, if he hadn't had drunk the snakes, but I don't think he'd be able to use the eighteen palms. Yeah, well, the the uh, beggar makes the uh, point that uh, you know, well, here I've got a technique that would be perfect for you. So I, I think that was kind of drawing on that. And yeah, I like. Oh, go ahead. I like how the movie kind of built his skill on something that happened previous like it's definitely chronological he continues to get better because this happened then this happened then this happened it's not random no yeah it's definitely it definitely is built up over the course of the story and you see it because because when at the beginning we were told that you know his build was most similar to ashan who uh well yeah as like he's a strong muscular type rather than the sort of the spin wily types or the 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 flexible type or whatever and the 18 palms is also known for being like very forceful and like extreme sort of power rather than finesse like you blow things away rather than trying to get to the weak spots or whatever you know and 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 i think that's why hong chi gong was saying it's perfect for him because like all he has now is brute strength and not much finesse so as long as he can learn the skill then that's basically well, what walking the ass for and he gets really good at it like over the course of the story he, get, he becomes very proficient mm-hmm. um and uh i i also should mention that there was that con- uh they they did uh find uh mei chao fung in the cave too while they were at the estate she's apparently been teaching uh yang kong 
because she had the dagger that was left in her husband's body and it said Yang Kong on it. And so she was seeking him out thinking he was going to be the, uh, the killer and she's hiding in this cave and uh, Huang Rong shows up when she's trying to attack Guo Jing and basically convinces her that her father is nearby. And that's, you know, uh, you know, when, when it becomes clear, sort of what we, we sort of learn a lot about the whole situation at Peach Blossom Island and, and what's up with that sect over the course of this movie. And, and so uh, Mei Chao Fung, who's a former disciple of Huang Rong's father uh, and has stolen the Nine Yin Manual, flees and she leaves behind the dagger and the nine yin manual which uh guo jing picks up but he doesn't realize he he has i mean, just to say that the nine yin manual at this point is basically the dried skin of her <laughs> dead husband <laughs> so, that's something i'm pretty metal about that basically yeah. she's keeping like she, she skinned her husband and well, wrapped, used it to and wrap the weapon that killed him <laughs> and i love when she first acquires it from number one she carves it off of his dead body but then she's she's walking through the wilderness and she's talking about wow this is like a really clever idea you had to to, to, to tattoo this on your chest and she's just sort of marveling at his uh at his uh, at, at, at his smart idea and, and, and it's a really, I mean, we were talking about how badly done the snake prop was. This was, a, I thought this was a really convincing looking uh, piece of human flesh. I mean, I don't know what, a, what human flesh looks like when you do that to it, but I believe that that's what it was. Um, it had, it had a, something about the, the translucency of it uh, really made it gr- grotesque. Um, but uh, It definitely looked leathery, like skin would be if you peeled it off. Yeah, it had a it had a very leathery look. I would agree with that. Um, and it it just I don't know. It just kind of gives you the chills when you see it. Um, but she ends up fleeing, and uh, eventually, I think they end up going to um, uh, the the manor at Tai Lake, right, where uh, where another one of her father's disciples is. And uh, this is one of the crippled disciples, Master Lu, who uh, who who's received a, a skull from Mei Chao Fung who is uh, basically warning him that she's going to show up and, and get revenge because he tried to bring her back to the master or something. And uh, uh, He was the one who ta- um, originally turned them in to the master after they stole mm-hmm. the Nanyin manual that forced them to escape, um, which also resulted in his own legs being broken. But that's a bit of a... Yeah, yeah, uh... yeah so I don't know if we mentioned it before, but Huang Yaoshi broke the the legs of all of his disciples uh, except for the two that got away with the nine yin manual, and uh... and there was one disciple who whose leg he only broke one of rather than both, and he becomes a blacksmith later on. And uh, and 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 it's funny too because again, this stuff all comes back in Return of Condor Heroes, which is so it really like these minor details become so important. Um, but uh, the uh, and so there's a big fight at the at, at Lu's Manor. Uh, initially between Mei Chao Fung and Guo Jing. Uh, and then uh, Huang uh, Yaoshi arrives and he gives Mei Chao Fung some pointers because, you know, she's blind and he feels that she's fighting at a disadvantage. And eventually, uh, you know, uh, Huang Yaoshi reveals who he is and he uh, sends Mei Chao Fung on her way and he kind of has a reconciliation with his disciple. Uh, but... Guo Jing needs to sort of test his kung fu with him, and there's this whole thing where uh, Huang Yaoshi wants to get revenge against uh, Guo Jing for killing his disciple, uh, Bronze Corpse. Uh, 
but Guo Jing says he still needs to get revenge for his father's death, so he he convinces uh, Huang Yaoshi to wait, but he'll show up at Peach Blossom Island to to settle the matter. And uh, I don't know if is there is there anything during this scene that you guys wanted to discuss, or do you want to move on to the next scene for discussion? This is a, I mean, it was not uneventful, but as far as the other scenes go, it was a bit tamer. I mean, I guess we we we, we sort of truly see um, Guo Jing's mastery of the eighteen palms or the fifteen palm in this scene, um, and yeah, we 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 get a, a glimpse at how unorthodox or uh, I guess evil would be the better word. Uh, Huang Yao Shi is, you know, he he's a bit strange like his decisions are all a bit erratic and it's like oh he's gonna break his legs and he's gonna come apologize and i'm sorry i crippled you <laughs> apparently that's gonna make everything okay he, he is the most intimidating father-in-law you could ever imagine i i would not want to be Huang <laughs> yeah, I, I think the act of Huang Yaoshi is great actually like, oh, he's, he's great. got that yeah. imposing air and he's got that glint in his eye that says like i am plotting your downfall at this very moment in time but you don't know it <laughs> and there's also like there's like an other side to him too that's like more gentle like they're they're like you can like there's something about that actor's face that really works for that character um yeah but like yeah he's got a real calm and placid kind of demeanor to him but like kenny said he's still got that that twinkle in his eye that says yeah your your ending is coming soon and i've got my plan all figured out and i'm coming after you but you don't know when and but he's got this face that kind of hides everything but that little glint in his eye but then when he comes to dealing with his daughter he's like the complete opposite of this um oh i can't remember the word but he's like very sweet and gentle with her and i guess because his wife died and he's had to raise her by pretty much by himself that he's more gentler with her but he's i don't know he wears two both sides very well the gentle side and the very wary and evil self and uh also he um uh you know he, he he's, he's 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 i kind of view him almost as like a he's got like a an artistic temperament is how i view his character he's very sort of you know he seems to just kind of do what he wants to do and i don't think he really cares what other people think um but uh, but what... he's also like sort of implied to be a very learned, um, like a scholarly character because he. We were, I think um, when they were approaching the Liu residence, um, Huang Wen was telling Guo Jing about the formations mm. and how this is like something that, that uh, her father invented. Um, yeah, for formations aren't. I guess for those who know about it, they they, they don't understand that formations aren't aren't simple things. They always have sort of weird philosophical principles behind them that require lots of knowledge of like yeah. classic literature to, yeah, to understand. The formations are the they're based on the Bagua, right? The sort of yeah. uh, and and uh and it's and, and and so so he ends up going to Peach Blossom Island anyway. Initially he's gonna go seek revenge, but Huang Rong is like, look, he's got all these like you know, heroes around him. You're not going to take the six prince. You're not ready. I'll come with me to Peach Blossom Island. I'll help you get revenge. And so he starts going there. Along the way, he gets lost in that formation that you're talking about. Um, you know, and and he f- ends up getting trapped with uh, Zhu Batong, uh, played by Philip Kwok. And uh, 
Um, I can and- say that like, that was the, sort of the best depiction of a formation I've seen. Like normally in, in sort of like movies and TV shows, when people get lost, I use air quotes around that in the formation. They just like sort of spin the camera around confusingly, yeah. and they have like the main character going, "Oh, oh where am I?" But here, <laughs> because they took a very um, practical approach in that all the trees were very densely grown together, and like you could barely see through the branches, and there was like mist everywhere, and that you know when he was trying to force his way through, you could see him like getting slightly thrown off his path just because he had to step out of the way of a tree and it, I, I thought this was a very um, clever way to depict the formation as opposed to the more mystical aspects of it yeah i thought that was one of the more convincing ways to depict that aspect of peach blossom island because i've seen some versions where they they resort to having the trees move around and doing other things and this was this was more like real world like it felt you know it felt like a like a plausible trap um, so no ants, peach blossom ants yeah. walking around peach blossom. <laughs> My question with that scene is why would she run ahead of him when she knows he's not that bright and he was not going to be able to figure his way out of this? I don't know, but I, I feel like there was more in the story if I remember. Like I feel like this was a longer sequence and I think a lot of the stuff like that in this movie is a result of them having to condense things. Like they, they condense a like there's that scene where where uh where uh, Yang Tishin is killed and Moon Yanchi is is sort of weeping over his death and like immediately in the next beat uh, Guo Jing and Huang Rong are like leaping out the window and sort of laughing as they're fleeing from the um, from the, the wrath of the masters and if you think about how close those things are together it's really sort of a weird emotional leap but it's because they're condensing the time so much I think that mm-hmm. and I think it was the same there where it just kind of because it's a time crunch it looks so but I agree with you. She just kind of runs ahead and, and it's like, well, obviously he's going to get lost now. And sure enough, he gets lost and he ends up with, uh, with, uh, Zhu Batong. And fortunately he learns all the stuff he needs to know while he's with Zhu Batong. <laughs> and then we'll get into the Zhu Batong stuff in a minute. But after that, he, uh, you know, he finds out that uh, Huang Rong is being arranged to wed, uh, Uyang Ke, the guy that they met at the estate earlier. And, uh, he arrives with Uyang Feng, one of the big villains in the story, and and uh, uh, Huang Rong manages to get Guo Jing to the pavilion on time, uh, and they're a- and uh, uh, Beggar Hong also arrives and says that he'd like to work as a matchmaker between Guo Jing and Huang Rong, and so he objects to the the marriage between Huang Rong and Uyang Ke, and uh, the master of Peach Blossom Island decides to have a contest between Guo Jing and Uyang Ka to see who's worthy of his daughter. And so he has a three-stage contest, a, a, a kung fu match, a musical performance, and then like a scholarly recitation. And, uh, and, and so, I don't know, we, we can discuss, you know, all the parts of the end of the movie, whatever you guys feel like talking about. But, uh, but yeah, so that's... Cho Bo Tong definitely deserves the discussion. I love that character. He he's a really fun character. He's a really fun character, um, and uh, and he and he, and it's always interesting that they always translate his nickname in different ways. And so I know in one version his name was something like Old Naughty Boy, which really stuck in my head. Um, but he's he's just a really crazy character. He's uh, uh, and we learn he's more very about impish. him. He's what? He's very impish. He's very playful. And his brother wouldn't teach him Kung Fu. And so he made up his own styles that are actually pretty good. 
and you know he's just this crazy fun character. And uh, yeah. and he and he oh go go ahead, Kenny. I was to say like uh, he so the, 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 like, the like translations I've seen for his name is like the old urchin, which sort of, it sort of makes yeah it, that's way better than old naughty boy. I think <laughs> but the actual like the, the, that, that's probably as direct a Chinese translation as you get is like the um. A, a person who is old that returned to youth is the sort of direct translation of his martial name. I, I kind of like old naughty boy for that reason. Cause I immediately got what he was about when I, when I, you know, like that, like really clicked it for me. And I think that, uh, some of the other translations, it does, I don't know. It did, they, they might, they might sound better, but like, I don't know. Old naughty boy kind of works for, for my money. Um, though I have to say the ver that version of the, of the, story was not at all uh loyal to the to the to the story so, uh, but uh actually wait was no it was like it? the r18 version i can't remember no. no no i think it might have been i think i might be getting my versions mixed up i think it was i think it was a version of return of condor heroes where i encountered that uh uh that translation of his name um and that was fairly uh true to the story but but either way um, I, I think, I, I don't know, that one's always stuck with me. Um, but yeah, so yeah, did you guys like Philip Kwok as that character? Did you think he was uh, believable in that role? Oh yeah, I think he, he pulled off the, the whole sort of childishness um, quite well without it being uh, or creepy, I guess would be the word that comes to mind when you have like, an, a person dressed as an old man being childish. Yeah. Um, like, he, he had a very, he, he, he towed the line very well, I thought. Like, he, you could always see, like, he, that he was very mischievous and he was, yeah, and like uh, Lee Chaffin was saying, he was very impish, and that's the perfect word to describe him. Uh, yeah, you, you weren't really sure, like, what if what he was doing was, you know, just purely from the childish curiosity point of view or if he was just actually had, had some had some deep thoughts to it because you can see like when he was trying to teach um watching the nine yin manual the, the mantra for it like it, he he sort of followed the the rules his brother said like it was like he couldn't learn it himself and he couldn't teach others but he, I think he sort of like rationalized it in his head saying, well, he's already had the skin. It's just like, I'm just showing him how to read it. I'm not teaching him. Right. <laughs> like, I feel like he was trying to sort of mentally find loopholes there. And that shows that he's not a dumb character like Wojing is. Like, okay, so dumb is probably too harsh of a word. A non-intelligent character, shall we say. Like, he's intelligent, but he's just also very... Uh, uh, he's naive in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I... I, I... He's a very interesting character, and he's a very deep character too. Once you get to know his background, where you got I mean, there's some like there's some chilling stuff in that guy's background that comes to light later on. Um, and I and I love how I love how you know the him teaching him that manual, you know, equips Guijing to succeed in the final contest uh, to become Huang Rong's husband. Uh, you know, he, there's no way he would have won that uh, un no. unless un unless unless what uh, uh, Huang Yaoshi was saying about the mother uh, deciding and coming in and and like actually intervening was going to have some effect. But I don't think so. I think uh, um, I think that was, you know, without that, he wouldn't he wouldn't have won the match. Um, what do you guys think of the contest for uh, uh, at the pavilion? 
The weirdest one was the drumming. What was the drumming <laughs> all about? Like I, 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 I guess it was supposed to be like internal energy contest. Makes sense, but the beat was all off on this. <laughs> I was okay. So number one, I was trying to follow the rhythm of that. Like I was like, okay, there's got to, he's supposed to follow the beat, so there must be a beat to this food. I could not find any kind of discernible beat that you would. Do you know what I mean? Because he was just kind of going. Ooh, there was there was no. I don't know. Am I am I mistaken? Is there was there was there? A no, you're that, right. Yeah. You're right. There yeah. was no discernible beat or how do you follow anything with what he was doing? But Oh Young um, Yang Ka just did a steady pounding, and then when um, Guo Sing just was like, "What was that?" And then he took out another stick. <laughs> It was I, like okay, oh, this that, is that, really that weird. That was from when Dovatong was teaching him the left and right hand thing separately. Right. So this is the first instance of a drummer being <laughs> born he invented rock China. and roll. It's like uh, <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, Young Einstein, the 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 Yahoo Serious movie where he invents rock and roll. Uh, but uh, yeah, because he's kind of doing like the drummer thing there. Um, but yeah, that was a weird scene. I, that was definitely that that part of the contest was very strange. I thought. Uh, I, I I don't know how, I don't know how Gaoshi was scoring that match because, uh, it, 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 I I didn't I didn't understand what the rhythm of the flute was. But, no, uh, I didn't I, understand it, but I really enjoyed the whole sequence and its weirdness, though. Like it's one of those points <laughs> where I'm just like, I don't know what's and, going on. But, well, and uh, at, at one point. Good. They have Guojing like one of his one half of his body is in like frosty snow and the other <laughs> half is all lit up red. Yeah. It's really psychedelic looking, and I think it's meant to be like the energy that he's experiencing, like the yin and the yang. But like yeah. it was very, it was very, it was very odd. Um, but ultimately, I think I, I think so the, the fact that, that that the sounds wasn't even music um, just sort of. Help! Or it was trying to make it. So I think it would detract from the scene if we could recognize the the tune that um, Huang Yangshi was playing as music. That would have just made the scene a lot worse, in my opinion. Um, because then we could we could sort of follow, oh the beat's easy to follow and yeah. we couldn't really understand it. But the fact that it was so unearthly and wavy and impossible to follow with with our ears, sort of highlighted how mystical this whole thing situation is supposed to be with all the inner energy being transmitted through the airwaves or whatever the hell was going on there. Well, and Uyung K flees. It's so painful to experience. That's why uh, That's why I thought he must surely have lost that match if, he, if he's if he got to run away and cover his ears. That would, you know, but I don't know. But they, but there's another match and uh, and they have to read from the, the Nine Yin manual, which we learned uh, Yao Shi's wife had, he had basically... St- Stolen it from uh, Bao Zhatong by uh, or Zhao Batong by um, uh, getting him to show his wife the manual, and because she had a photographic memory, which is I'm, I'm guessing where a lot of uh, Huang Rong's uh, smarts come from, uh, mm-hmm. he, she was able to copy it down later just after looking at it once. But she ultimately died, and so the book was very precious to him, and he wanted them to read it and then recite it back. And Uyang Khan gets pretty far, but he doesn't get all the way. And uh, Gua Jing has already memorized it when he was with uh, uh, Zhu Batong, who had him reciting it every day. And so he just recites through it, and the match is given to Gua Jing. Um, so I like how he like I had the whole like 
the expression of struggle, even though he'd already like, re- like pre-memorized it, he was still having a really hard time. Well, he's not it. bright. He's very, right. very simple-minded. So, it's and also that's like that seems pretty hard. Like I've never really had to memorize lines by rote since I was like a kid, and uh, I like I I think the only time I ever had to do it was for Bible verses when I was a kid when I went to camp once and. I remember being very difficult. So, uh, so I don't know that, uh, having to do that to, to, to marry the woman you love seems pretty, pretty grueling. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I don't know. What, what did you guys think of Alexander Fu Shung as, as Gua Jing since we're talking about that? Like it's, you know, he's, we've seen him a lot in movies on this podcast and I'm, and this seems like a role that's like kind of tailor-made to his style. It um, is tailor-made for him. <laughs> because like he has the, the look of, I was just going to say it's tailor made for him but without all the really silliness and goofiness that I don't like to see with him I like his more serious roles but um, it's it doesn't have all the silliness per se I mean he's playing a simple minded person but he's not playing a simple minded person that's really silly he's not doing pratfalls and some of the other things like he's not you know he's not he's he's not and also, he usually plays characters that are kind of smart. Do you know what I mean? They're usually, like, sneaky and doing things and, like, trying to get the edge on people. And he's not doing any of that stuff. He's very he's very innocent in this movie. Um, but, uh... I, I was going to say, like, he... he, he yeah, you know, just the way he looks is very gormless, innocent, like, harmless. And <laughs> I think that fits in so well with sort of Gorging's character. Like, he's a straightforward, honest man. And uh, I don't feel like... Alexander Fushan needs to put on much acting to do that. Just, just, just some, you know, just some looking at him. Like he, he, he gives off that aura naturally. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'd agree with um, that. I, I think he definitely has that. Like, like he comes off that way. He comes up a, like uh, I, I think whatever that you know, whenever they cast an actor for this role, you kind of got to get somebody who had who can, who can convey that uh, naturally. Um, and. Uh, uh, another thing I, I wanted to discuss too is the music in the movie. Um, uh, you know, the theme song is uh, I, my understanding is it comes from something called the DeWolf Library, but it was used in the Holy Grail by Monty Python, and I find you know is it, here it's used much more dramatically for for real effect, but in Monty Python it was used to sort of uh, I don't know emphasize the ridiculousness of of what they were doing. And so I'm just curious, you know, what people thought of the music of the film, the the overall, uh, um, you know, atmosphere that was created by it. Yeah, I'm a little embarrassed to say I didn't actually recognize the music. I had a vague sense it was familiar, but I, uh, I, I it just it just passed me by when I was watching it. Which I I said to you earlier it was probably for the best that I didn't pick up on it because it would have been a little distracting. But, well, and, and I don't think it's. I, a, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Thing, but I think it worked in the movie. It worked just fine. You know, not having not picked up on it, I thought it was good. Yeah, I thought the movie was good. It didn't have like some of the movies we've watched where the movie was blatantly from something else and you knew it. And <laughs> so the scene was so recognizable from what you knew it from that it kind of felt odd in the in the movie that we watched. But um, this had no I didn't recognize it either. I was like, Adam, it sounded familiar, but I couldn't place where. 
and I haven't seen um, the Holy Grail in like 30 years, so um, that's telling my age. But um, I just didn't feel that it was like odd or stood out or anything, but I thought it complemented the movie and what was going on. Hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think that the guy that made that music, he actually died last year, I think. Um, I think his name was Jack Tromby or something. Um, so, so let's just say, I just want to make sure we cover everything before we go. Um, what did, uh, what did people think of that gigantic wine gourd that Kufung had for the, uh, uh, when he met them in the woods? Remember he had that gigantic, uh, uh, gourd filled with wine that he was drinking? Um, so unwieldy and it showed like every scene there would be someone helping him take it off his back or something <laughs> he wears it like a backpack it, right it, it was perfect though because like his character is a, a gourmand like a, he, he likes his his food and his wine uh you know, given like how he passed on his most secret techniques for a chicken basically oh <laughs> yeah, well, i guess a few, it, was, it was a few meals but yeah yeah we really see that we, we like we, we've been doing the return of condor heroes and he's still he's still up to his old tricks with the food when we see him in return of condor heroes where he's he's gone to this remote mountain where the centipedes live and he's trying to lure them out of the ground so he can he can boil them and leach out their venom and then cook them and uh you know he's he's very he's very food focused this guy um but yeah i just think i just thought it was a great prop i don't know it's, it's like borderline ridiculous it is ridiculous it's big but it uh it, it works um but, but he's a beggar and he likes food and he likes wine so the bigger the better he likes his libations that's exa- man. exactly exactly like he's not gonna you know he doesn't want to run out of wine like you know it, it makes total sense you know, uh, what else is he going to carry around? Like a, a a backpack filled with books, or like you know, he, he's he, his only thing in life is is food and and kung fu. Um, <laughs> but I don't. Did anybody have anything else they wanted to touch on before we head out? I can't think of anything. Uh, I don't. I'm looking forward to watching more of these. That's that's my parting uh, parting feeling. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the series. Well, I yeah, mean, I'm, I'm curious to see how they uh, handle the rest of the story and how far they diverge from the source material. I think you guys will not be disappointed. We're going to do this whole series over the course of the month, and then we're going to end. What do we say with the Chinese ghost story for uh, yeah. for February? So. We're going to do Valentine's Day theme all month. And uh, I, I think it's uh, it's a really good example of sort of like a heroic couple romance in Wuxia. Um, and I don't know, uh, uh, Lady Chaofeng, which you just, you know, you know, you're familiar with, with the movie. So what, what's your, you know, feeling on the overall trajectory of things? I love the first three in this series. I'm not too fond of four. That's why we're not doing it. But um, I love the first three. I think it's, like you said, a perfect example of a wuxia couple and their heroic romance and all the trials and tribulations that they have to go through but still stay strong. And, and I should say, um, the fourth one is Return of Condor Heroes. So it's actually the next story where right. they get there. But but does does Alexander Fushung play Yang Go in that one? Is that his character? Yes. Okay. 
Yeah, so they swap yes. up all the roles, and they there's there's a lot of cast changes over the movie. Like the girl that plays um, Huang Rong is a different actress in the next two movies. But they're I think they're both good. I think the woman that played her in this one is great, but I also think the the actress that plays her in the next one does a really good job. Um, but uh, but it's a little bit jarring if you're like used to one person playing somebody, and it's like oh, it's a different person. Um, and it's really weird when they have when they have Alexander Fusheng go from playing Guo Jing to playing Yang Guo in the in the fourth movie because he's already playing there's because Guo Jing is in the fourth movie too so it's it's very confusing, um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah so uh, you know we'll we'll be back next week we're gonna do um, the next Brave Archer movie and then the third and then we'll be back with the uh, uh, the classic Chinese ghost story film. And uh, until then, we'll talk to you later.